We're getting closer and closer to the Culture Proof Conference 2024, and we could not be more excited. Yes, it's a great time for the whole family, a great time of ministry. Mothers, fathers, uncles, aunts, grandparents, <laughs> everybody, the kids. We have uh, something for them as well. Of course, we have the Culture Proof Kids, Culture Proof Teens. It's going to be led by Maria Hamilton, the third, the third. <laughs> and also Mark and Amy Warren. And so, That's right. man, the kids are going to be equipped, and you can have some great discussions discussion and conversation with them as you head back home. We are so excited. This year's conference is hosted by Faith Baptist Church in Bartlett, Tennessee. When registration opens, you will be among the first to know. If you go to cultureproof.net, make sure you join our email list because we are going to blast out open registration to that list first. So go to cultureproof.net. Make sure that you stay connected. We're super excited about our guests who are all joining to talk about one thing, Mm. resistance the cultural trends that rival the truth. We're going to be talking about the ways that we can remain culture-proof from Mm -hmm. scientific apologetics, biblical apologetics, cultural apologetics. How do we live in this world as faithful followers of Christ? We're going to target every age group, so make sure you show up and bring your entire family. Yes, we're going to have a great lineup of speakers, which you'll be able to view their bios on the website, cultureproof.net. Once you go on, Abraham Hamilton III, Miki Addison, we're going to have Dr. Jason Lyle, Dr. Kathy Cook, and others. It's going Dr. To be great. Renton Rathbun, Dr. Lee Brand. We are super excited. Dr. Turin Dames. Mm-hmm. I feel like by next conference, I'm going to also have my doctorate just because <laughs> it kind of flows. Anyway, hey. we're super excited about what the Lord is doing, and we want you to join us. The Culture Proof Conference happening July 18th through the 20th at Faith Baptist Church in Bartlett, Tennessee. Stay connected because more information about that is rolling out just around the corner. You're going to find that at cultureproof.net, cultureproof.net. Make sure you join the email list. We can't wait. Culture Proof is brought to you by BJU Press Homeschool. If you've come to homeschooling or you're thinking of homeschooling to preserve a solid biblical worldview in your children, you should consider the curriculum we trust to help with biblical worldview formation. BJU Press Homeschool is here for you and with you as you center Christ in the education of your kids. Visit our friends today at BJUPressHomeschool.com. That's BJUPressHomeschool.com, the premier sponsor of the Culture Proof podcast. Thanks for listening to the Culture Proof Podcast. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And today we continue our conversation just about, um, I guess, in some ways, what's going on with Pastor Alistair Begg. And it's not to beat a dead horse, but just to try to show um, integrity as we talk about cultural issues and how we navigate them. And one of the things that we said is, you know, if he comes out and he says, hey, I was wrong about this, then, you know, we would, we would talk about that. We would share that. And in fact, I just admittedly, that was my hope. Um, But we learned that even our former organization, AFA, reached out to them um, because AFA aired the uh, Truth For Life Mm -hmm. uh, broadcast um, during the day. And um, it seems that according to 
their team, um, Pastor Begg is standing by his comments. Yeah. And, um, and so, you know, we had a conversation about this the other night and, and I said, you know, man, it just seems like if, if maybe there were not so much pride attached to this, that he would, you know, repent after being, you know, lovingly challenged by members of the body of Christ. Like this Mm -hmm. is not a publicity issue. This is a body of Christ issue. This is something that is really important. And, um, and you asked me a question that I, I don't know, I just hadn't even, and you said, well, what makes you think that he wants to repent of this? Yeah. Yeah. Like what, what makes you think he does not really believe what he's saying? Yeah, that's what you said. You know, and I think it's hard, it's hard when you have a track record of, uh, from what we've seen as a a biblical soundness and then for comments like this to be made, it's like, what? So it's, it's a curveball. But at the same time, we have to understand, too, that these things happen and, and man, the pressure of the culture to, to be accepted and things like that, man, no one is really exempt from that. We have to be very careful, you know, even when we're watching uh, what's happening now, we yeah. have to understand, man, that we have to be girded up and ready and, and, and we have to be in the truth of the, of the word because Amen. it could easily happen to us. And it's just amazing when you see someone like that you know, Bible teacher of his caliber, but man, at the same time, man, that shows you the strength and the the, uh, passion, like this culture is really trying to like seep in and change the minds of Christians and say, Hey, did God say, yeah, like like, really, you know, that's why it's so uh, egregious because it is an attack on God and God's design Mm -hmm. at the core of it. It's not just, Oh, this is my opinion, man, but your opinion, it, it really talks about, you know, God and his nature. Like, that's right. That's serious. Yeah, that's right. It talk it it um, speaks to whether or not God has designed us as He's designed us. You know, are we free to then choose some sort of orientation? Um, whether it's with regard to our sexuality or with how we identify, do we get to call those shots? And the Bible tells us very clearly that we cannot. You know, as I continue to think about this, I couldn't help but just kind of going back in my mind and thinking about church history. There's so much that we can learn from members of the body of Christ who lived before us. And certainly there is much that we can learn from those who died Mm. because of what they professed. And, you know, we talked about, uh, not only do we have the authority of scripture to stand on, to, um, to, to affirm or to confirm that we are not just making up that we cannot agree with sin, um, that that is in fact sin. So the word of God is enough. But one of the things that I tried to appeal to is that what the early church would have understood about the severity of God's word um, is a, is something for us to learn from, is mm. something for us to draw from. And so I kind of wanted to go back and look at the early church, and I grabbed one of my um, church history books and, and just kind of started looking at that and thinking again about the early church and how we suffered and how we were persecuted for the name of Christ. And you would think that you would find these instances where the early church would seek to make nice with Rome or seek to make nice with her contemporaries at the time. And that's just not what you found. One of the things that I find really interesting is that the Christians enjoyed a certain level of protection when it was believed that they were just 
um, an offshoot of Judaism, right? Mm. So the Jews were established as having their separate, um, you know, distinction in culture. They were not mixing and mingling with the Romans and they were respected. So their faith, their religious practices were unbothered by Rome. But when there was a clear distinction and the Jews made it obvious that no, they are not of us. They, they are clearly separate from us. And then you add to that the reality that Christians took the faith seriously. And so they were sharing the realities of what it is to come out of darkness and come into this light to pass from one kingdom to the next kingdom. Yeah. Um, that made them an enemy of the state. Mm. And so I was thinking about this in terms of like kind of the parallels that we see even in American culture, as long as American culture is Christian, then all the Christians are okay. Because mm. we're kind of all uniquely hidden in this distinction that we're all good around here. Yeah. We all do the same thing, right? So when you have a country that is that is highly moral collectively, you know, we all have certain norms, certain things that we understand about what is right and what is wrong, and we all agree, then everybody is protected. But when the nation moves away from morality, mm-hmm. then those who are not just cultural Christians, those who have been the Bible-believing Christians, the yeah. sincere cr- Christians, mm-hmm. um, they become more pronounced. Yeah, yeah. And, and they out. actually then become the enemies of the state. Yeah, that's what happens. And, it, and it's crazy because what causes that to happen is just living faithfully. <laughs> you know, so it's like mm, yeah. as the culture moves in a certain way and your society uh, is more maybe immoral and things like that are happening. The ones who are just staying true to what they've been doing, serving the Lord and mm-hmm. being, you know, uh, dedicated to him begin to be like, oh, you guys, you know, are haters or you guys are. And you, you made a point about, uh, you know, even the early church. And when when there were ones who did um compromise they were seen as lapses that's right you know ones who they had uh, a lapse in the faith exactly so this wasn't this wasn't a feature of 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 christianity to compromise or to like say well we're gonna just kind of give in to this we can do this or that and still hold our you know fidelity to god no Mm -hmm. it was like no we can't do this and so it's the same today and i've always said that this issue Mm -hmm. homosexuality you know, and all the offshoots of it now is the one is the is the issue of persecution for it the is, church it today. Is, it is. It is the persecution determining factor for the church. So what the church says about any issue of sexual morality or sexual ethic or sexual identity, any anything that falls under the category um, that that attacks the God of sex. Okay. Mm -hmm. The God God of this age, largely driven by its sexual appetite, anything that takes a position that aligns with God's truth over and against the God of this age with regards to sex is going to be what brings about great persecution for the church. And the reason I think that's important, especially in light of talking about the way that Pastor Begg encouraged this grandmother to attend a marriage that is not even defined biblically as a marriage, but also to bring a gift. The reason I think that's important is because if you are not going to be persecuted in 21st century America, that means that you will agree 
with 21st century America's definition of sexual morality, mm. sexual ethic, and of course, I'm, I'm speaking the lack thereof, but they believe they have their sexual ethic. In fact, in 21st century America, the highest moral standard for sexual practices is consent. Wow. And you can see how that gets us into trouble, right? Yeah. First Corinthians chapter six, verses 19 and 20, the Bible tell us, uh, tells us very clearly that our body is not our own, that our body is actually the temple of the Holy Spirit, that we were bought with the price. The Holy Spirit is in us, mm -hmm. right? And then the Bible goes further, the Apostle Paul writing under the direction of the Holy Spirit, that we are to, we are to glorify God in our bodies. Yes. So if you are going to say anything that is contrary to the 21st century sexual ethic, which is consent. Mm -hmm. If I say I can do it, if I say I want to do it, if it makes me happy, then I am free to do it. If you say anything against that, then you have been disloyal to Rome. Mm. And if you go <laughs> back to the early church, whenever the Christians were disloyal to Rome, it was to the lions with them. Mm. And that's why yeah. what Pastor Begg has done becomes vitally important in how we understand the way we stand and the way we brace for impact. Because as you watch Christians pull back on the moral standard of God and you watch Christians begin to give up just a little bit of ground, just a little bit of ground, they create a sense of security for themselves. But man, they bring on persecution for the rest of us. Mm. Because the question then is asked, well, why can't you guys just do what he did? Right. Why can't you just say what he said? And then especially when it's a, um, a pastor or a Bible teacher like him, you know, it, it's almost like the credence, it gives it credence. Like, man, he's out of the bag. You That's know, exactly he's, right. You know, and look, look, look what he thinks about this issue. And why you guys, why, why aren't you guys going along with that? Because you respect him as a Bible mm -hmm. teacher, right? Mm -hmm. Like, so it, even, even more, you know, it, it brings about that of uh, sticking out like, oh man, like what, what's wrong with you what's guys? What's wrong with you guys that you can't just get it together. Right. And, and I will say this, it is so important for us to understand if you've not um, looked at church history, even just sort of like, you know, just an overview of church history, I would recommend that you do it because there is an encouragement in um, being reminded or even learning for the first time what our brothers and sisters endured. Mm -hmm. It's important for us to recognize that imperial rule didn't demand of Christians that they get rid of Jesus. Mm. Remember, the demand was just pinch incense to Caesar and say that he is Lord <laughs> as well, that he is also Lord. And so when the Christians refused to do that, when the Christians said, no, we have but one Lord. He is Jesus Christ. To him alone will we bow. To him alone will, will we worship or to him alone will we stand. And, and Rome said, no. Right. Rome said, what is your problem? And they saw the Christians as a threat to the state, as a threat to government. So it wasn't just a religious affiliation, right? It wasn't just a religious conviction. It was actually a form of government overreach saying that if you are going to be loyal to Rome, then you will be loyal to Caesar. And your loyalty to Caesar is to declare that he is Lord. Hey, if you're listening to this podcast and you are enjoying what you hear, please remember to give it a rating or to leave a comment. Let people know that this podcast is a blessing to you. It helps to grow Culture Proof and we would be so grateful. Also, if you love Culture Proof and you want to support the ministry, why not pick up some merch and look good while you support the ministry of Culture Proof? Check out every podcast. You'll find a link in the description to where you can get your Culture Proof merch and support this ministry. We appreciate it.
And so I was looking at Bruce Shelley's um, church history in plain language. And they're just some, man, I don't know. I just think of in light of what we're looking at today. And I wanted to read a little bit of this and just kind of have a conversation around it because I think it's so telling with where we are now. And um, in the chapter four of the book, uh, looking at the persecution of Christians, uh, it's titled If the Tiber Floods, which is why we've named our podcast, <laughs> If the Tiber Floods. And he quotes Tertullian in one section of this chapter, and he's talking about the main cause for the hatred of early Christians in Roman society lies in their distinctive lifestyle. The main cause for the Christian persecution in Roman society was in their distinctive lifestyle. You already can get the picture that they were not trying to live like everyone else around them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they weren't trying to go along to get along. No, it's clear. It's clear. And so when you look like you're doing, taking a look at history, we can see uh, basically the example that was laid out for us. Yes. Yeah. So getting back to this, um, Bruce Shelley, the late Bruce Shelley, goes on to quote Tertullian in this section. He says, mm -hmm. quote, we have the reputation, said Tertullian in his apology, a work that he wrote, um, of living aloof from crowds, <laughs> living aloof from crowds. This is the reputation that we, the Christians, mm -hmm. have. The word used to describe the Christian in the New Testament is highly significant. It is the term hagios, often translated saints. It means holy ones, but its root suggests different. Different. Mm. So a holy thing is different from other things. Now, I want to stop here and I want to think about this just for a second, right? If we are saying that as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, that we're holy and that we are distinct, mm -hmm. we cannot expect that the collective culture is going to celebrate that. Not at all. This idea, and, and this is why I think it is so dangerous what Pastor Begg has said, this idea that if we would just give up a little bit of ground or, as he said many times, build bridges— if we would just build bridges, we would be winsome. The question then becomes, what of that distinction is appealing for someone who is looking for something different from what he or she has at the moment? I'm not, I'm not really sure yeah. that there is a distinction no. that would be made that would be notable enough that people would say, you know what, I'm tired of what I have, no. and it's appealing to me that you're willing to die for what you have. There would be no distinction made there. It would be affirmation of what is already um, taking place. You know, the distinction comes when it's like, okay, I don't agree with that because the Bible says this, and this is the word of God, you know, and there's no distinction when you just go along. There's no, there's no separation. It's like, okay, we all good over here. You believe what I, this, and I believe that, but it's all right if you do this, you know, because no, that's not a distinction. And I, I know that's uncomfortable, mm -hmm. but man, Christians have been doing uncomfortable things like this for the for the longest. That's exactly. And that's you know? the point that I'm making, that Christians have done the uncomfortable thing. Christians have given up jobs. They've said, you know, we just refuse to do this because it violates our conscience. Lost their lives. Uh, they've lost <laughs> their lives. So they, they have lost their livelihoods. And they have lost their lives because they said Jesus Christ is worthy. Now, what were they doing? They were living for the glory of God in their time. But here is what they also did as a result of that faithful living. They provided a firm foundation upon mm. which we should build. Yeah. We should also say, you know what? Our brothers and sisters, um, 
were close to persecution. Our brothers and sisters understood what was at stake, mm -hmm. and they still said no to the culture around right. them. Getting back to Bruce Shelley's book, um, in short, the early Christian was almost bound to divorce himself from the social and economic life of his time if he wanted to be true to his Lord. This meant that everywhere the Christian turned, his life and faith were on display because the gospel introduced a revolutionary new attitude toward human life. It could be seen in Christian views of slaves, children, and sex. Now, now let me say this, okay. The Christian, everywhere the Christian turned, mm -hmm. had a radically different view of moral issues as compared to those around right. them. Right. Back to Bruce Shelley. Slavery ate like a canker in Roman society. The slave, whether male or female, was always at the disposal of his master for the most menial task. And if he failed to satisfy his owner, he could be discarded, even slaughtered like a worthless animal. Here's how the Christian made a difference. In this kind of society, some Christians also held slaves, but they treated them kindly and allowed them to have the same rights within the church as anyone else. <laughs> You yeah, know what the I've early church, of. they were called levelers. Yeah. They were called. So here's the point that I'm driving at. In Roman society, the Christians always did what was different mm. because the Christian was bringing in light where there was darkness. The Christian was bringing in hope where there mm. was hopelessness, not trying to be like those around them and say, but we just happen to have Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> the Christian was displaying that there is a distinction, there is something new, and there is something different about us. And this is incompatible with reducing the high moral standard of God in exchange for the hope that we might win somebody. Man, you know, I'm thinking about, you know, we're talking about uh, Christians in Rome. And, and Rome of that day, that was the power. That was the, the you know, the, the place of, uh, uh, you know, the Caesars and all this. Mm -hmm. And so when I think about America, I'm like, so... There had to be immense uh, pressure for the Christians in Rome to to cave in, to mm -hmm. bow down. You know, and I'm thinking, like, man, they we have so so much history of how they stood, and, and again, some may have uh, fallen away, but how a lot of them stood. And so, for us today in America to to cave in, mm -hmm. you know, like, man, there's no excuse because no. we have an example of Christians living in a time of a powerful nation and standing in that nation for the Amen. glory of God. Amen. We live in a time of a powerful nation and we have to stand even <laughs> so if, as, as it goes off. You know, we know that America was built on Christian principles and things like that. But as we have turned our back as a nation, man, we have to stand. The remnant has to stand Amen. firm on the word of God. Man, we have examples uh, in history, examples in scripture. Scripture, we have no excuse. Yeah, you know, you think about it and and it makes us uncomfortable to talk about the God of this age or to talk about what our country worships collectively, uh, the God of sex, the God of happiness, your personal happiness, mm. right? Your personal autonomy that you can operate independently of God. But those are the realities of what we see exalted in this mm. country. And anyone who's going to take a stand um, away from that or apart from that and stand instead on God's word, you are going to suffer persecution. You are going to be hated because you will be seen as upsetting the gods of this age. Now think about that. Hmm. If you upset the gods of this age, okay, you are saying to the collective society that you don't want to be a part of it. 
you you don't want to function in our happy we all are okay around here environment <laughs> right. everybody likes everybody and you can do you and i can do me mm-hmm. and we can all just get along your truth is your truth and my truth is my truth and we don't have to worry about upsetting each other that is an idol in our culture and again if you go back to church history and you look at how the early church navigated this they rejected that sentiment again bruce shelley a third cause of christian suffering may strike us as strange christians were accused of atheism (laughs) this charge arose from the fact that many within the empire could not understand an imageless worship Mm. (laughs) wait so you guys don't want you don't want a statue like you don't want you don't want an emblem you you don't want something that you can go and like stand before and bow before right so this was upsetting (laughs) to the romans they didn't understand this as a result they blamed the christians of being godless and threatening the state threatening the state. Let me continue. The pagan gods, and this is really important, and this is kind of where I want to spend a little bit more time, because I think that there are some principles that are inherent to a rejection of God that you see represented in our country, even right now. Okay. The pagan gods were viewed as patrons who would extend some kindness to a city. As an act of loyalty, citizens of good standing would participate in various civic festivals that showed respect to one of the gods. So the patrons, the citizens, would participate in the public festivals as worship to the gods Mm. to keep the gods happy. Okay, let me continue. Good pagans may have been especially loyal to one of the gods, but would pay tribute to all of the gods. Christians would not give tribute to the gods. Let me just repeat it. This is Bruce Shelley, Church History in Plain Language, the fourth edition. You can can get it for yourself. Christians would not give tribute to the gods and appear disloyal to their pagan neighbors. The popular notion held that disasters would strike if the gods were neglected. Again, in his apology, Tertullian writes, quote, if the Tiber floods the city, if the Nile refuses to rise, Or if the sky withholds its rain, if there is an earthquake, a famine, a pestilence, at once the cry is raised, Christians to the lion, end quote. What does that look like in American society? Well, they're not throwing us to the lions and they're not asking us or forcing us or compelling us to come out and worship statues or anything like that or to join in their festivals But are they demanding that we worship the gods that they've created? Yes. When there are demands made of us that say, hey, use my pronouns, hey, Hmm. declare that this is marriage over and against what God has already defined as marriage, that is a demand to worship an idol. That is a demand to come before a God that you have not known if you are a Bible-believing Christian. And so then what happens is we face people who say, you are upsetting our happy culture. Hmm. You're upsetting the gods. You see, we will be happy and we will get along just fine if everyone allows for everyone to do what everyone wants to do. But the Christians continually stand in the way of that. Why? Because we say no. Even if you're not saying no loudly, just the fact that there is a thought that you're over there saying no upsets our common collective culture. So you can see that what Pastor Begg has said and what this portends for faithful Christians is pretty scary. Like it's not, it's not good for our brother to have taken this position 
And it's certainly not good for for brothers and sisters who remain faithful to God's word, because we now look like those who <laughs> refuse to just pinch that one little incense, just pinch, just a just just a pinch of incense, and then get back to your mediocre life. Get back to your measly God. I want to be among the Christians who went to the lions. I want to I want to be among the polycarps you know, of my day, those who have, who can say, man, the Lord has never done me any harm. I'm not going to deny him. I'm not going to reject him. And, and even though we are not facing Roman theaters where we're, you know, going to be thrown alive to, to, to rabid animals, we are still facing the loss of life in a culture that will make you pay for standing against what they worship. Mm. So listen, if the Tiber floods, right? And people come after us and say that we are the cause of it. What, what do we do? Where do we go? We continue to stand on the word of God and we continue to run to the rock that is higher than us. Amen. We are not the standard. We have not set the rules and the regs for our engagement. We are saying this is the faith, um, as the apostle Paul put it, as the apostle Jude put it, we've got this one faith. Right. This is the faith that has been entrusted to us. And what we are trying to do is preserve it intact for the next generation. Man, it is it is a blessing that we can look back on the faith and know that it got to us intact. Mm -hmm. That is a blessing. If we keep silent, if we continue to change our position on what God calls sin, then we jeopardize the preservation of the gospel intact to the next generation. That's right. The church will stand, the church will stand, but we will go down in history as those who formerly went down in history as the lapses, mm. those who refused to hold the line of truth in their generation. I don't want that to be me. Amen. When we resist those cultural trends that rival the truth, we remain culture proof. Until next time, Lord willing. God bless. Yeah.